busy week. Uh, I'm preaching tonight as well, so I'm sorry, sermon notes uh, for today. You'll just have to take lots of notes. Um, I'm preaching tonight on uh, Is God Sexist? Part 2. Uh, so um, I'm doing the New Testament and some of the difficult passages in the New Testament. Now, I preached on this a few years ago, uh, the sexist topic in Turpur, and uh, nearly caused a riot. So if you want to see a riot, then um, come along tonight. Um, we're all uh, probably familiar with the story about the frog and the water. You know the story about the frog and the boiling water? So you put the frog, oh there he is, you put the frog in warm water and he's quite happy, you put the frog in boiling water, he jumps back out again. But you put the frog in boiling water and you slowly heat it up and uh, the frog doesn't uh, jump out. He just slowly uh, gets used to it getting hotter and hotter until it's too late and then he boils. Now there's good news and bad news about the story, about the frog. The good news is that it's not true. <laughs> it's a myth. It's an urban legend. All right, you put a frog in boiling water, he hops straight out again. Um, the bad news is he had to test it out uh, on some real frogs. Um, so some frogs might have got slightly burnt in the process. Um, but it is quite a good illustration uh, of the fact that you change an environment slowly, really, really slowly, and you don't tend to notice that it's changing. You just accept the change uncritically. It's a bit like the story of the minister who arrived in a new church, and uh, he was just a young guy, and he arrived there. He arrived there because the previous minister had been fired because he dared to try and move the organ from one side of the church to the other. And so they made it quite clear that the organ had to stay on that side of the church and was not under any circumstances to be moved. And so he accepted this and said, okay, that's fine. But every Sunday, he used to get to church before anyone else, and he'd just move it one centimeter. One centimeter. It took him five years, but eventually the organ ended up on the other side of the church, and no one particularly noticed, because he just did it really, really slowly. We've been having a look at this issue of culture over the last few weeks. And when I mention or talk about culture, we tend to think about other cultures. We think, well, cultures, that's something overseas. Other people have culture. Uh, but of course, we have culture. We live in our own culture. It's a bit like uh, you know, asking a fish what it's like to swim in water. Well, he doesn't know anything else. <laughs> it's a dumb question to ask a fish because a fish has always swum in water and he can't understand anything else. We're not very good at seeing our own culture. The Bible says that we are to be in the world but not of the world. We're to be in culture, we're not to separate ourselves from culture, we're to live within culture, but we're not to be conformed by culture. The first things we notice when we go overseas about different cultures is we notice the obvious things, like language and food and, and customs, and we notice those really obvious things. But culture ultimately, at a very deep level, deep culture is based on a worldview. Uh, and our culture is underpinned by a worldview, a series of ideas. And when the Bible talks about the world, often it's actually not talking about the surface things, about what kind of food we eat or those superficial customs. It's not talking about that at all. It's talking about that deep issue of worldview. I was at a um, conference with Paul Windsor uh, a few weeks, uh, last week, and he said that when you look at all the words that the Bible uses to describe 
world, the world, most of them are not good. Uh, there are things like, it uses the word darkness to describe the world. Emptiness, slavery, blindness. It's a really powerful thing to think that the Bible described is describing uh, the world in these terms. You know, we see darkness around us. What was acceptable, not acceptable a few years ago is now acceptable. We see slavery. We see people being addicted to all kinds of things. We live in an obsessive culture that tries to get from things what they can't give. We see an emptiness in the world. We see a blindness. All these words, uh, negative words, describing uh, the world view suggests that we, we need to critically try and evaluate what is happening in our own culture. What we consider normal, uh, because it's just all around us and maybe it's been slowly changing, we somehow need to critically evaluate. I want to look at some alternate worldviews. Uh, I want to look at Christian worldview, but I want to look at three alternate worldviews that uh, have increasingly uh, captured people's minds. And I want to look at them in terms of how they answer five critical questions. Uh, am I loved? Why do I hurt? Does the life have meaning? Why can't we get along? And is there any hope for the world? People say today they're not religious. Uh, people, the no religion uh, on the census is the biggest uh, tick, or growing tick these days. But actually, worldview is like religion. Worldview, your worldview and religion are very similar. And all worldviews, uh, like uh, religions, require an element of faith. And they all have absolutes in them as well. Now, I'm going to use some uh, three sort of terms. Don't, don't panic if you can't remember them, because you'll recognize them when I describe some of the attitudes to them. But I want to look at secular, secularism, uh, postmodernism, and new spirituality. Because these three words, or three worldviews, are primary drivers uh, in our culture today. And it's really important that we recognize them. Because these ideas are a bit like viruses. And these viruses have infected people's thinking and had enormous impact. But the thing is, they're also infecting the church. Most people in the church have now been more impacted by those three ideas than they have by any biblical worldview. Survey done uh, in the States, 75% of Christians thought the best way to find yourself is by looking inwards. 66% of Christians said the highest goal in life is to enjoy it as much as possible. 40% said any kind of sexual experience between consenting adults is okay. That suggests that these worldviews have penetrated deeply within the church. Secularism and um, which is very closely related to humanism and materialism, basically says that this world is all there is. Uh, what you can see is what there is. Uh, th there's nothing outside of the physical realm. Uh, so you might not recognize the term secularism, but people say, you know, I, I, just, I just believe in science, not religion. Only trust what you can see. Uh, this material world is all there is. This is all there is. I mean, that's a secularist viewpoint. You will have heard people say that. Postmodernism is a, a really a rejection of any absolute truth, and it's come out of um, both scientists uh, and um, 
religions making absolute claims and people got disillusioned with those claims, that scientists have often been made claims and then proved to be wrong, uh, religions ha have lost credibility, and so postmodernism has come about and it said, actually there is no truth. You can have a truth, I can have a truth, but there's no absolute truth. And actually we need to uncover these um, scientific and religious people that, that try and claim there is a, they're right. And we need to get, get rid of them. Um, New spirituality, or, or uh, what's called New Age, New Spirituality, is uh, almost the opposite um, of secularism, and it says that actually everything is spiritual. Um, new Spirituality, life is about consciousness. At the core of reality is a higher consciousness, a force uh, that some might call God. It's about spiritual practices that will make you feel one with the universe. And people that uh, hold uh, within this sort of loose framework of new spirituality would say, well, all paths lead to the same destination. What goes around comes around. Uh, the God is already in you. Uh, you can do anything if you just believe in yourself. These are statements revealing a worldview of new spirituality. So how do these uh, key worldviews answer some of these fundamental questions that we all ask in life? Why am I loved? Because the human heart cries out to be loved. It's a basic human cry of the heart. Well, the secularist who says that things are just, uh, you know, atoms and, and uh, the physical world, says, well, actually, love is just something that happens um, when some chemicals in your brain uh, get stimulated. Um, Freud and Kingsley. So it's all chemical and in your brain, and, and actually, love is simply... Um, uh, what we use to describe what's happening in our brain when we are stimulated by sexual desire. Um, love is what we say to each other to keep the species alive. Um, forget love, just have sex. If the world's material, uh, there's no God, and then, uh, therefore, there is, is no right or wrong when it comes to love and sexuality. Postmodernist says, well, um, actually, we can't know any absolute truth, so um, we... And actually, uh, religion makes us ashamed, uh, and society makes us ashamed of the sexual feelings uh, and, and thoughts that we have. So we should get rid of the guilt of those, because um, it's your truth, and then we'd feel loved. We should explore our sexual urges um, until the guilt goes away. That's postmodernism. New spirituality would say, well, actually, the universe is love. We're part of the universe. Therefore, if you don't feel loved, you need to get in touch with universal love, and then you'll become attractive and you'll attract to you what is right. Now, it's not hard to see that these viewpoints are actually the dominant viewpoints today uh, in our society. Uh, you know, sex is a physical act. We'll have sex first to see if we're compatible. Uh, then we'll see if we can live together. Who, who are you to tell me uh, what's true about love or not? These are the dominant worldviews supported by TV, movies, songs, advertising. And of course, our society is paying a huge price for that. Christian worldview is very different. Am I loved? Well, the Christian worldview says that God is a person, not a force, and He is love. He personally loves us. He's not distant, but present. Radically different from the dominant viewpoint today. Because when God meets our deepest need to be loved, and we all have this deep need to be loved, then we can truly love others with no agenda. 
when we, uh, when we understand the love of Jesus uh, dying on the cross for us, and then love is giving, then it gets rid of the self-centered love and helps us to focus outward. Because the world says, actually, it's just about me. And, and, and you know, I deserve this. I, I ought to get this. You've earned this. It's self-focused. Christian love is outward-focused. The challenge for us is, are we truly looking to God to meet that inner need to be loved? Or have we bought into some of these other worldviews that says that maybe someone else can meet that need or something else can meet that need? Or if I love myself, I'll feel loved. Why do I hurt? Fundamental question again that people ask. Why is this pain? Why is this happening to me? Every person at some point uh, runs into this question. The secularist says, well, actually, there is no spiritual realm, so there's no ultimate good or evil. There's no higher cause or pain. Richard Dawkins coldly stated, in a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky. You won't find any rhyme nor reason to it, nor any justice. DNA neither knows nor cares. DNA just is, and we dance to its music. So its answer to pain is we simply have to manage it and get on with it. Postmodernism also has no answer to why we endure pain and suffering. Uh, it would say that governments will let us down uh, because there's no ultimate truth. Religions will let us down. Uh, we just have to laugh at suffering. It's absurd. New spirituality would say we have pain and suffering because we're out of harmony with the universe. We're out of harmony. And so we need to get back uh, into harmony. So really, it's saying that suffering is our own fault because we're not in that harmony. Christian viewpoint, again, is quite different. It addresses the question of suffering. It doesn't deny it. Uh, it doesn't try and make it go away. There's whole books and whole psalms in the Bible grappling with the issue of suffering. Um, the Bible proclaims that God is all-knowing and all-perfect, and we hurt because we live in a world that's not perfect. It's a world impacted by the choices we make. Uh, and the Bible is very different, and it says that God entered our pain to redeem it. Uh, it says that Jesus and God did not stand aside from our pain, but entered our pain and was with us in our pain. One theologian said this, I could never believe in a God if it were not for the cross. In a real world of pain, how could one worship a God who is immune to it? In imagination, I've turned to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross, nails through his hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding from thorn pricks, mouth dry and intolerably thirsty, plunged into God-forsaken darkness. This is the God for me. Not only does the Bible give hope in pain, but the Bible also uh, encourages us to minister to others' pain. And throughout history, Christians have been at the forefront of ministering to those who are suffering. Does life have meaning? Again, a basic fundamental human question, what is the meaning? What is the purpose of life? Um, many people struggle with this. What is life all about? The secularist says, well, there is no ultimate meaning because the material world is all there is. Um, this world is all there is, and so if this world is all there is, then we simply have to try and gain meaning from, from the material world. And, and if we don't have meaning, any value maybe comes from relationships, um, but there is no ultimate meaning. 
Postmodernism says too, uh, well, you can pick up little bits from email and Twitter and uh, TV and advertising, and you pick up all these different ideas about meaning, but there is no overarching meaning. There's no uh, thing that pulls all these things that are coming at me saying, this is truth, this is truth. There's nothing to pull it all together. New spirituality would say you find meaning as you let yourself go and become one with the universe. We're not separate individuals. We've got to uh, rid ourselves of that notion. The Bible clearly has a very different view that says God called you. God personally called you knows you by name, and calls you to worship Him in all you do. So everything you do or your work becomes an act of worship to God. And actually, we're called to be part of His kingdom. And that life has meaning because of that. We're personally called, we're personally given a place in the family of God, and we're given a purpose to live for, and that is His glory and His kingdom. Why can't we get along? Many people look at what's happening in the world and think, why is all this suffering and all this fighting and terrorism and why can't people just get along? The secularists would say that actually conflict will cease if you get rid of religion and build a better society. If we create a fair society based on rights, then the world will be better off. Postmodernism says actually if we stop pursuing truth, uh, then and religion is a key part of that problem, uh, then we'll get rid of conflict. That's why tolerance for a postmodernist uh, person is so important today. Tolerance. We've just got to be tolerant uh, because there is no truth. And so if we're tolerant to each other, we'll get rid of conflict. New spirituality says that conflict will cease when we give up our egos and become one with the universe. The key question is, who am I? And the answer is, I am God. There's enough love and power in the universe to deal with these things. You'll attract good things to yourself as you focus on them. Christianity never blames the conflict on someone else, never says it's religion's fault or society's fault. Uh, James says actually the conflict starts within ourselves. Uh, It starts within us, our own wanting our own way. And Christ came along to deal with that and to bring forgiveness and the ability to forgive others. We're designed for community and Christ has brought us into a community called the church. And it's a community focused on love, not hate. It's a community based on serving the other person, not in what I can get. Is there any hope? Well, to the secularist, life is what you can make it. But secularists put a lot of hope in technology, and you see this all the time uh, in articles in the paper and whatnot. The hope is in technology. Technology will solve our problems in the world because we're smart and we'll figure it out, and, and technology will save this world. But God is a mythical creation, made up. Postmodernism says, well, there's no universal truth, so there's no solutions, and even if there was an ultimate solution, we wouldn't know it was the truth because there is no ultimate truth, so you're stuck. New spirituality says that our problems are physical, uh, spiritual, not physical. We have the spiritual vacuum to be filled. Hope comes as we reject uh, traditional religions and embrace our divinity within Only the spiritual world is real and everything else is an illusion. Becoming one with the universe will bring hope. Christians say there is hope because of God, that God will put the world to right, that evil will not win, uh, that one day God will return. And uh, our confidence in that is based on the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. 
And because of that, we can know a hope for the future. But it says when we see the world around us, we look around, we don't have to be filled with despair. Said we can roll up our sleeves and get involved with what God is doing in this world, knowing that one day He will return and there'll be no more crying and no more tears and no more death. The challenge for us as Christians is to combat these ideas. Because ideas are a bit like viruses. Uh, we can't see a virus, and yet we know when we get sick. And these ideas have infected our society to a deep, deep level, and we're seeing the impacts of those. Somehow we've got to be attuned to the temperature of the water around us. But like the frog in the water, stays in the water in the myth until it's too late. These ideas have taken hold in our culture. Christianity is a solution to the cries of the human heart. I am loved. My suffering will be overcome. I have this incredible calling. I'm meant for community. There is hope for the world. One of the things we need to do as we talk with other people is you'll begin by the statements they make to recognize some of these worldviews. And we can gently ask questions. Because often when people hold a worldview, it hasn't been thought out, it hasn't been thought through. As to what are the answers? What, what is the viewpoint that if this world is all there is, what is my answer to those deep questions? Often they will not be aware of their own assumptions that they've made in that worldview. So in talking to others, we'll begin to recognize probably one of those three, because they're the three main drivers of uh, um, people's worldview uh, in New Zealand currently. We'll begin to see those drivers, and you begin to tease out, what are the implications of holding that worldview? What if I carry on down that line? Uh, what does that mean in terms of those, some of those fundamental questions? Like, is there any hope? What is the meaning? If this world is all there is, what's the meaning? And what's my answer to suffering? One of the challenges of living in our own culture is it's hard for us to see the darkness. We go to other cultures and we think, that's terrible. They're worshipping all those idols or they're doing this, we're doing that. It, it jumps out at us, but we can't see in our own culture. So, so a really good question to ask is, where is the darkness? Where's the darkness in this movie? Where's the darkness in this TV ad? Where's the blindness? Where's the slavery? Where's the emptiness? Really good questions to ask as we look at what's happening around us. Of course, the other challenge as we look at these worldviews is to ask ourselves, how much have they impacted my own thinking? How much has my own thinking not been shaped by the Bible and a biblical worldview, but been shaped by the attitudes around us? We just change on to the next slide. Can we flick over slides? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The church has been affected by these worldviews. We'll never be able to live the kind of lives that God wants us to lead when we've allowed these viruses to seep into our mind. May God give us understanding of our own culture 
in our own worldview. Let's pray. God, sometimes we see what's happening in this world and we don't understand why it is. Sometimes, God, we're just immune to the, or not immune, but we're just uh, blinded to the thinking that is happening around us. That is pushing and influencing in all directions. God, I pray you'd open our eyes to see our own culture. See the kind of ideas that have begun to take hold. God, we acknowledge that we've not been immune, that those, these viruses have affected us. God, may we be shaped by you and your word. May we be shaped by your truth, Lord God. So that we can be light in the darkness. So we can live lives that are free to serve you. We can live lives that are meaningful and full of purpose. God, transform us. Transform our minds, we pray, as we soak in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.